Yeah, testing, one, two, three, testing. Closer? Yeah. Testing. One, two, three, testing. Perfect. Sweet. All right, so that's recording. It's recording. Um, yeah, so we booked a trip to... We booked a trip to Austin, Texas um, for the Rogue Invitational, which I would normally go with Fit Aid. Um, but we're going to Houston first. Because there's this place called Alpha Land, which is like this iconic social media gym now. It's like on 22 acres of land. It's got three different gyms on it. And then like a hotel, a freaking like a restaurant, all this stuff. It's just like it's super well known in the social media space. So we're going to go there first, try to podcast with a bunch of people out there like social media people. And then from there, we'll drive to Austin, three hour drive, and we'll be at the Rogue Invitational. And then we'll podcast with people in the CrossFit space this time and then we booked another flight to Miami Florida in January for Wadapalooza which now Wild Chips wants me to do content for them there since they know that I'm going out there so I'll get paid to do that hmm. and uh yeah so like I said you're the five you're always within five people of like knowing people that's kind of why we like are able to do that because now we have podcasts lined up and scheduled to be able to like like we're investing in the show so we're like flying out because we get to talk to these people who are going to like kind of push the show forward more, you right. know? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what is like, what is like the, um, you know, what the message that you're, you're trying to like send? I want, I just want to provide value in the way of showing people who have gone through like shit, you know, who have gone through stuff. Um, the the whole message is like on social media we see the we see the glitz and the glam mm -hmm. that people show like nobody wants to show the nitty gritty stuff you know and I know for a lot of people out there it's not just glitz and glam like there's sacrifice there's BS that you deal with every single day we just talked about it for an hour about yeah. the stuff that I go through because even on my little social media presence I think that people look at my life outwardly and they see like, wow, he's like, like things are awesome when it's like, when we really talk about it, like things aren't all that great. Yeah. They just look great, right. you know? And so that's what I want to show is these people who have a million followers, how do they get there? What are the things that they did? Um, what kind of stuff did they uh, go through in their past that kind of made them have this urgency or this like calling to try to, um, acquire attention from other people and to try to amass however much money they have or like do the businesses that they have, you know, and what did they go through to, to accomplish the goals to accomplish, like becoming a professional CrossFit athlete or like having a multimillion dollar business or, you know, whatever it is. So I'm just trying to show people the sacrifices that people actually make to get to a position in life where, and mostly people that like followed, um, it, so the podcast is called the counterculture. So people who like follow the path outside of what you're told to do, like the nine to five job, you know, mm -hmm. I have, I have talked to people with nine to five jobs because I think that their story is interesting sure, and their life is interesting, but they're also people that I know went through like massive sacrifice in their life to like mm -hmm. even just be a healthy person, you mm -hmm. know? So yeah. Does that answer the question? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I like, I like, I like the name, the counterculture. I mean, going against, um, in many ways what we're, the messages that we're yeah. getting pounded with right all the time yeah which is you know 
fame and money and influence, all these things are the ticket for um, satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, there are many who would stand, would, would get behind this microphone and say to you, I have fame, I have money, I have influence. Mm-hmm. And all of them have left me deeply wanting. And you sit in a room with someone who has none of these things, um, but has a, a network of very healthy relationships. Yeah. And they would speak to you of a life satisfaction that is not known right. by those. And so um, where does that come from? And you know, who, who is the ultimate authority to speak to us mm-hmm. um, on that which is really most important to us? And that is, you know, being healthy, being healthy people. I mean, this is, you're, you're running a, you know, you're running a, a, um, a studio here that is, is designed towards, you know, strengthening the body. You're interested, yeah. you're a dude that's interested in health. Yep. And, um, you know, there's also, you know, the question needs to be asked, you know, what about health of the soul? What about health of the, the interior of the yeah. fabric of who we are? I mean, how do we... How do we address that? Right. And that's also what I want to address in the podcast too, is I just think that the culture right now is so much so like um, sex driven, you know, drugs, money, fame, like you were saying. And I think that's really deterred us from like the the path. And I'm just like the the counterculture being also that. I want to, I want to promote like not drinking alcohol, not like being promiscuous, not doing drugs, you know, all things that like, admittedly I have partaken in to a degree, right? but as I've gotten older, um, I don't see the value in it, you know, and I just don't think that it's beneficial towards anybody. And when people say the things like everybody's got to have their party stage or go through this, I'm like, really do they? I don't think so. Mm. I think it actually kind of like, um, tarners the soul a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, because when you go through these stages of like, um, I guess to be frank, like wanting to sleep with a bunch of people or whatever, it like does tarnish your soul a little bit because slowly but surely sex becomes less valuable as an emotional bond type of thing. And it just becomes something that you're just doing, you know, um, not that I've like partaken in a ton of promiscuous like sex or anything like that. But the same thing can be said with like partying, right? Like eventually it's not just the fun of like getting drunk. It just becomes like a routine. It's something that you're doing. And eventually it becomes something that um, is like you're doing it without really knowing that you're doing it to deal with things outside of the drinking. And I know that that's something that definitely happened to me was that I would, I was never an alcoholic. I never had a problem with alcohol. Um, I gave up alcohol though. And as I gave up drinking, I realized like, man, I was actually getting drunk on the weekends, I think, to deal with issues through, from throughout the week. Mm. It wasn't actually fun. It was yeah. the same thing that I did every single weekend. It just became routine. Right. And when I like was able to come to that realization and like, you know, and give it up, I've been able to deal with issues way better, yep. <laughs> you know? Well, you know... A- the um, the statement made by phlo- the philosopher, I think it was Socrates, who said the unexamined life is not worth living. And I think uh, I mean, I'm all for having a great time and everything, but mm-hmm. I'm also 
really, I, I really, as you and I have had talked over the years, it's really important to reflect on our lives. Yeah. You know, where we're going. And if, I mean, if we're just strictly, um, if life is just, the ultimate reality is just the natural universe in which we live. Um, if we're just, as, as one gentleman I spent three hours with who's an atheist this past week, talking to him about whether or not God exists. Yeah. Um, if, if we're just strictly, as he called us, we're advanced machines, just, just, a, a, just a, 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 a grouping of atoms and that, that's it, then go out and have all the sex you want. I mean, you're an animal, mm -hmm. behave one, like one, because life is going to be over quickly and, and that's it. But if you have a soul, um, if you are designed, as one philosopher said, if you will, if, if you will, if, if, if you will always exist, you will, you will never cease to exist. And there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Except for make your, make your future existence as pleasurable as possible while in this existence. Then you, then you examine what does it mean as a person with a soul to have a sexual relationship with somebody else who I'm not lifetime committed to? Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that then we then begin to live at a, at a level that, um, is, is, is quite a bit different. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, with that being said, welcome everybody to the counterculture podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is my friend, Steve. Um, I oftentimes refer to him as my spiritual mentor when I talk about you and um, a business mentor too. Um, he's somebody that I have cultivated a relationship with for, I don't know, how long have we like really, how long have we been doing this, sitting down and talking? Like three years, four years? Four, four years maybe. Before COVID, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so Steve, in the beginning of every show, I try to give people their flowers, right? I try to, at least people that I've had a close relationship with. Um, and so a couple things about you, uh, I think that you are a big, big reason that I've kind of gone from the, the cool atheist that I was into, I wouldn't say quite yet a Christian, but yeah. definitely a believer mm -hmm. in, um, God mm -hmm. and probably the Christian God. Mm -hmm. Um, and you've just done so much for my emotional, spiritual, and mental health as a support system that I can't thank you enough. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. And every single girl that I have, you know, um, as a client, all of my lacrosse girls, they all are in love with you too. So it, uh, I can't say enough good things about Steve. He's been a great support system for everybody basically that I know that comes from Arrowhead. You probably should explain why they're in love, why I know these girls. Oh, he's their coach. <laughs> he's their, he's pretty, their coach. Pretty, pretty crucial. Yeah, that, that's a crucial piece of the puzzle for <laughs> sure. Yeah, because that might, that might be weird. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he is their lacrosse coach. And uh, if he's done this much for me, he's definitely done more for them because he gets to spend more time with them. So yeah, appreciate you. Well, thanks, Justin. That's, um, I appreciate that. And um you know, I've, I've noticed in you um, just a, a, a level of honesty, you know, that I think when we first got together, one of the things I, I said to you is that, you know, I, I love di a diverse set of opinions that people have. I spend a lot of time with individuals that don't um, agree with me on certain things. And at the time, 
you know, you and I had have have all have had different perspectives, but I've always appreciated your honesty to look at me and say, you know, I don't agree with that or um, I'm not certain about that. And so um, I just I appreciate that. And even just in our conversation this morning that we've had, um, just hearing how you um, just process life is um, it's been it's been something that I've admired. And you as a young man. Thanks, Steve. So a lot of yeah, a lot of times I will go to Steve if I have an issue. Um, but you I think that you have a not think I know you have a really crazy story um, that kind of got you to be the man that you are today. And if you don't mind sharing it, I would like to hear it and like for other people to hear it. I think that this will be one of the most valuable podcasts that I ever do, to be honest. Um, and again, because you've added so much value to my life, but it's not without the life experience that you've had to this point. So yeah. if you don't mind sharing yeah. kind of how you became, um, I think you were starting to explore Christianity in college, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in a, <clears throat> grew up in a um, home where, you know, had some um, contact with things of life and faith and, and um, always felt that there was, you know, um, something out there. I remember I was like seven years old once. I was, I was always a, you know, football, touch football player and everything. I was very involved in sports. And, and I remember one time I'd had to run in from a foot, from a back, backyard game that we were having. I went to the bathroom, came out, and I stopped at the screen door. And I thought, what is life? I mean, why am I different than those guys out there? What, how is it that I even know who I am? I mean, I just, I had this moment of like, what is consciousness? I mean, as a How old are you? I was about seven or eight years old. Oh, geez. And then it just flashed away. And the next thing I know, I'm out catching passes in the backyard. But, so I've always been one who's thought, you know, what, what, really is the purpose of life. Why are we here? I spent a lot of time in, in a fishing boat in northern Wisconsin growing up, and I wasn't the greatest fisherman, so I had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> sure. And I'd look up in the stars at night, and I'm like, is this an accident, or is there some order to it all? It certainly seemed right. beautiful, and it seemed like, you know, very orderly in many ways. But then there was also so much suffering and hardship in the world. So yeah. I get to college, and I hear people starting to talk about this person, um, Jesus of Nazareth, and I knew had some familiarity with him and started learning a little bit about the teachings of him and learned that this God that I kind of had a sense that existed, but was one that I was trying to stay on the good side of uh, because I was afraid of dying and not being on the good side of him. Right. And um, I learned that the Christian story is one where by, by you know, placing faith in in christ one's right standing before god is instantly taken care of mm -hmm. and so i you then live life in a way of gratitude for that as opposed to worrying about whether or not my resume looks good enough you know at sure. the end of my life and to me that was tremendously um a source of peace and contentment that i had not experienced before okay and so, but then I, I have these friends that went to Ivy League schools and everything, and they started just ripping apart what I believed. You know, it's like, you, you know, you can't trust what the Bible has to say. God probably, you know, scientists have, have shown that we don't need God because life has been, cr been created at a test tube. And so I went through a two-year period of really 
going to graduate school and really studying to see whether or not this new faith that I had was actually with, you know, rested on a solid foundation. What was your actual um, degree in? I got a Master of Arts degree in Religious Studies. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Yep. No. And, um, and so, um, and I was kind of surprised to find out how, how, how deep and how wide the foundation um, was um, and how these attacks that I, you know, that I had heard were really more emotional attacks rather than really uh, logical, logical, intellectual um, attacks. So, um, so I've been spending um, the last, you know, 40 years of my life um, acting. I'm a business person. I've been bi bivocational and I spent a lot of time as a community chaplain where I'll come alongside of business people that might not, not necessarily go to a church, yeah. but they may think, you know, maybe there is some divine nature of God. I, if I go to a pastor, they're paid to give me the answers. Maybe a business person, you know, who has some training um, can speak to me in a way that uh, maybe a professional doesn't. And so I've um, spent years and years and years coming alongside of people, helping them put together their faith. Yeah. Helping them come come to an idea of what it is that they believe and why they believe it. Sure. So what so when so obviously we connected because of my ex, Rachel. Mm -hmm. What exactly was it that got you kind of interested in wanting to talk to someone like me? Well, it's really I can remember exactly where I was. Okay. And exactly you know, there was a there was a discussion about um um, baptism of your son, Kate. Mm. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, and, wow. And 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 Rachel was like, you know, I'd kind of like to do that, but Justin is like, he likes researching things and looking into things. He's really into science. He's not exactly certain if that's the route he wants to go. Mm. And I'm like, I like this guy already. I've never met him. And um, and I said, I told her that, you know, this is exactly what I, I mean. I love science and I love researching and. Mm -hmm. Maybe the two of us could get together. And so she made the connection. Yeah. We sat down together and within fifteen minutes I realized this is, you know, this is the kind of person who's um, who has truth at the at the pinnacle of, you know, you know, of of, of his life. That um, and a lot of people would say that they do, but they're really interested in only, you know, pursuing what really what they want to do. Yeah, the, the 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 phrase which I really don't like what that works for me. I mean, it's kind sure. of like what what works for me is really center in mm -hmm. into the universe, not so much what ultimately is true. And yeah. I felt that you you had that, and so I, I desired that I wanted to live, I wanted to spend some time with you. People, I think, are more interested in their truth than the truth. Yes, right? Is that what you'd say? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's like. That works for me. Um, this is my heart's desire, and and these things are important for us. We have to care for ourselves. Yeah. But um, um, the the scriptures say, um, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And um, Jesus looked at Pontius Pilate, and he said, "He who is of the truth will hear my voice." In other words, if you earnestly desire to know uh, the truth about life, you will, you will be able to, you will seek and you will find. Yep. But if there's a, if you have a dog in the, in the hunt and if you have, you know, if you have like, um, you know, 
presuppositions that you want to support or that you want you you already know what you want to find before you're open to finding truth then i think you have to really reevaluate that yeah let me restart this camera real quick so i can put a timer on i'm gonna do that and then boom all right now i won't be focused on looking at the camera too where do you think the the divide between like what the truth is and like people wanting their own truth to be what's true happens right because i think for like me um i've always tried to live my life in truth in the way that i don't want to lie to people because i feel like i would rather be an asshole or looked at that way for 30 seconds while i tell you the honest to god truth that's good then be the person who like lies to you and then a year later you find out and now you hate me for longer or dislike me i don't really like to use the word hate but um you don't you don't like me for a lot longer why do you think that people kind of live the opposite way where they're like not not just that they don't they don't want to tell people the truth but they also don't want to kind of see the truth in general because they're more interested in how they're feeling in that moment. Yeah, that's that's good. And I, I, I thought of the, the ancient Jew and Jewish scriptures when you said that faithful are the wounds of a friend. In other mm. words, sometimes it's really hard, but it's really a good thing to be able to come to somebody who you love and care for and say, this is the observation that I have. I'm not going to barge into your life and play, you know, cop here, but I, as a friend who loves and cares for you I, I just want to give you an observation and and I think um, left untended to I think um, there could be some consequences you, you have to decide but this is and and once once um, once a relationship is built and there's trust I mean I think trust is the the most significant thing in the universe yeah this is God simply wants if, if somebody were to say to me what is what does God really want from you, Justin? What does God want from me? And it's just a simple step of trust in his direction to say, I trust you that your perspective on my life is, is true. Yeah. And um, so I think, <clears throat> I think when people are pursuing their own agenda, um, they are, um, and, and God lets them, he will not, he will not walk into a room he's not invited to. He will not smash the door down. The scriptures say, he, behold, he stands at the door and knocks. Yeah. Anyone hears his voice, he will open the door and come in and dine with him together. This beautiful picture of a gentlemanly figure offering himself to come in and be companion, counselor, teacher, advisor into another person's life. And... Everybody hears the everybody hears the knock. Mm-hmm. At some point, it's really really loud. The more we ignore it, it becomes softer and softer and softer. And um, so I think those who are who who hear the knock but ignore it think I think wrongly that they are in a better position to be CEO over their life, yeah, rather than the one who's created them. Sure. And um, so and. There's a lot there, but I think I think that that's that's a big reason. And and Jesus says, "Hey, listen, um, take my burden upon you. It's light, and my yoke is my my yoke is easy, and my the burden my burden is light. In other words, the way that I have prescribed for human beings to live 
is actually the easiest, most fulfilling way rather than the hardest, the most difficult way. And you and I just spent an hour talking about yeah. how difficult life can be mm-hmm. when, you know, when these other pathways are the, the dictated pathways upon which people are living. Mm-hmm. It can create angst and difficulty and strife where sometimes it's hard to look at somebody and tell the truth, but in the end, it's the thing that actually makes life much easier. Yeah, and it makes you feel like there's like a weight off your shoulder as yeah. well. Like you feel good about what happened. So a way that that's kind of manifested in my life, um, I for a long time was an atheist. Mm-hmm. You know that. Um, and I think that a majority of that was because I was trying to live life on my own terms. I didn't want to answer to anybody. I've been that way throughout my entire life. Yeah. Like the cops couldn't tell me shit. Teachers couldn't tell me anything. My parents couldn't tell me anything. And like, I ultimately always felt like I knew better. And that has gotten me to a point in my life, right? And a good point in my life. However, I think it's more self-serving than it is anything else, right? Like you can say that you're doing things for other people, but in the end, you're still kind of thinking about your return, right? You're thinking about like how it's going to benefit you in the long run. And, um, So I think for a long time, that's kind of why I was hesitant to also uh, look into the God thing or believe in God or whatever it is because I was Mm -hmm. self-serving. And and from what I know of your background, brother, you have every every reason to to be, you know, kind of locked down that way. Yeah. Yeah. I still am to a point, you know, lots of trauma, lots of feelings throughout life for sure. Um, The knock for God got really loud recently mm-hmm. um, and it was due to an injury, believe it or not. And so you asked me before we started about how CrossFit's going and stuff. And so I'll share that now, how it's going. I got injured pretty bad recently. Um, so much so that I had to pull out of this big competition that I was, you know, signed up for. I qualified for all this stuff. I think, oh no, you didn't come to one of the qualifier workouts, but Regardless, um, so about eight weeks out from the competition, I hurt my neck right before I went to Hawaii. And it ended up getting better, came back from Hawaii. I was 100% better, at least so I thought. And then five weeks out, I read a book called Outwitting the Devil, mm-hmm. right? And so like, um, actually eight weeks out, I kind of like had the the knock on my door where it was like, you don't need to be focusing on CrossFit right now, mm-hmm. you know? And then five weeks out, I'm reading Outwitting the Devil by, um, what is his name, Maxwell? No, not Maxwell. I don't know. Regardless, it doesn't matter. He is like a, just a good author. And in the book, he talks about how people have like their coming to Jesus moment almost. He doesn't use those terms, but like when they meet with their other self is what he talks about. It's like your higher self. Yep. And to me, what I think that is like when God is like moving through you, mm-hmm. right? And so... Um, I read the book and I realized that day, I'm like, I'm not supposed to be doing this, man. Like right now is not my time. Like this is not my time for CrossFit, you know, but I don't listen. Right. So the next week I tweak my back a little bit and I'm like, this is a normal training injury. Training's really hard right now. Um, I can train through this. I can compete like this if I needed to, you know, and I could have, I, if, if competition was that weekend, I for sure could have, hmm. Um, the knock was just 
a little, a little bit there. I train, I go to PT, do all the things that I need to do. The next week I tweak my armpit. So like, I felt like I physically tore my armpit, oh my word. right? And so like, I couldn't do a pull up or anything like that. The knock got a little bit louder. Hey dummy, wake up, hmm. you know? And then finally the next week I injured my neck so bad that I like, it gets to a point where, um, the pain, I wake up, I'm in excruciating pain the next day. Um, I like immediately go to PT as fast as I can get an appointment, go to chiropractor, all these different things. And I'm just like praying and hoping the entire week. Cause it was the week before the monster game. So I had to fly out and like go, you know, to Missouri. I'm sleeping, praying, hoping that I wake up like injury free, but it gets to the point where it turns out to be a nerve issue. Oh, wow. And so like, I can't do a push up. I can't push a 25 pound kettlebell overhead. I can't do all these different things. The strength is completely gone in my arm. It completely humbles me. And so like I looked at it and I was telling you before that sometimes I feel like God puts um, signs, I guess, or he speaks to you yeah. in a way where like, it's like, stop doing what you're doing. Right. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Focus on this. And so the knock just got louder and louder. And like what I like to say to people is he slapped me on the back real quick with the back. He slapped me in the face with the armpit. And then finally he's like, you, f you idiot. And he punched me in the face, you know what I mean? And, or rather he like snapped my neck off, you know? And, um, and, and so that was a complete wake up call to me to like start listening to my heart, which is how I believe God like works through me, listen to my heart and do the things that I need attention right now. And the things that needed attention was like the podcast was starting. I realized that like this is really what I need to be doing because this is how I can connect with a lot of people and how I can like spread a message to a lot of people. I truly believe that uh, one of my callings on earth is to try and affect as many people as possible in a positive way and to spread a positive message to yes. people. Um, I think that my journey is such that I impact people's lives because, you know, coaching and like my right. dealings with, you know, whatever. Um, I think that that is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Like I'm supposed to be spreading a message, a message and a worthwhile message um, through what I've been through and helping other people because of that. And yeah, so that's that's where I kind of felt God's voice being like, hey, wake up. Like CrossFit will always be there, mm -hmm. you know, and my goal has always been 35 to 49, that age group to go pro. And I was pushing it as if I was trying to get to the games, which is like the, the top competition um, this year. And that's just not what the reality of my situation was. And that was never the goal either. So, yeah, I definitely feel what you were what you were saying there. Yeah, I, I um, the, the, the words of my favorite author, C.S. Lewis, come to mind where he says, God um, speaks to us in our conscience. Yep. He whispers to us in our pleasure but he shouts to us in our pain. That's it. And it's like, um, it's his megaphone, pain is, to get the attention, um, you know, of, of a world that, you know, maybe, you know, going off, um, you know, living a life independent of his desire to, you know, care for people along the way. Yeah. So for sure, because you you always hear those stories of people becoming hyper successful after a breakup or, you know, they like they lose everything and they have nowhere else to go but up. 
And then I think that that too is probably God being like, Hey, you know, you needed to wake up. You needed a wake up call. These are the things that are going to drive you into success for the next chapter or whatever. Cause I remember vividly and Heather probably remembers this when, uh, when I, when I realized in Missouri that I had to make the call, I can't do this. Yeah. I don't like that. You know, like, cause I, I felt like a quitter. You and you'd, know, like, put in, you'd put in so much in mm-hmm. breath. Yeah. And I felt like a quitter. Yeah. I was like, but I, I couldn't help it. You know, I, even to the day, like I didn't make the call until the day of like an hour before my heat was supposed to go, um, to drop out of the competition because I just like really hoped that a miracle would happen and it, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to happen, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, I don't really believe in crying that much, you know, or like crying in front of my my woman i guess because whatever and i couldn't help it like i just broke down in tears and it was so painful but immediately i shifted my perspective because this is kind of like what i do and what i preach is shifting your perspective and i was like you know what this is actually a blessing in disguise like it's a sign that i'm not on the right path i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing all right what's the right path what am i supposed to be doing what should i be focusing on And I believe that God throughout my entire life has told me what I need to be doing. Hmm. And, um, I just never listened Yeah, because I know better. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah. We can, we can certainly get distracted, um, in life and, um, um, for sure. I, I'd taken a job out of graduate school and I was just telling this story to somebody the other day and, I wanted to serve the community by helping people. My background was as a CPA, and and I wanted to help people in the financial area of their lives. and And I was doing it; it was really wor- working well. And then I was given I was given an opportunity to work in a partnership with um, with a gentleman who is a dear friend of mine today. And we were doing really well in in doing uh, corporate work, working with corporations and their in their finances and being very very successful we were hiring people to work with us and everything and the two of us were partners in this and my mind now was being filled with you know people that we were we we had to work on profit sharing agreements and and we had um, employee issues and i remember driving taking my son um, jake to a soccer um, practice on a saturday morning and he's like dad 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 I think five times and yeah. I'm driving the van and I'm thinking about a conversation I have to have with somebody after I drop them off on the Saturday. Morning. Yeah. You're distracted. And I'm thinking I have completely gone off what I've desired to do here. I mean, it's like, this is, yeah, a very, you know, prestigious pursuit that I'm in, but I've, I've seen that it's pulled me away from, you know, what I've really desired to do. And that is to be an attentive present father. And, um, and so I went in the next week and resigned um, from my partnership with my friend. And again, the two of us remained wonderful friends. He went off and has built this, you know, just tremendously successful practice. And but yeah, there's sometimes we can get off track and we yep. can lose sight of what we have, what we know to be our 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 you know our inner values, and we tend to get you know in a side eddy, you know, where we're, we're spinning and, um, and it's really helpful to have people sometimes the Lord, the Lord used my son's voice that day yeah. to get us back. 
And that's that's what friendships are about as well, you know, to be able to Mm -hmm. be in a trusting relationship to say, what do you think? I mean, if you ever feel that there is something that's happening in my life that I'm unaware of, that other people can see that I can't, you have permission to point that out to me. Please do it, you know, with a soft hand, but you have permission to point that out. And um, this is when life, you know, really, again, back to the, the idea of trust, this is when life is, begins to be lived at the level that it's that we're that we're meant to live. Yeah, and I think that um, that is the duty of a good friend is to tell you the truth and to keep you on track. I just had this talk with um, <clears throat> with one of my kids that throughout life you're going to realize that some friends are conditional friends, and your good friends are always going to be the ones that tell you what hurts, and they're going to be the ones that you're going to get mad at, and you know think that they're out to get you sometimes or whatever but your real friends are the ones who keep it a hundred percent with you all the time and your conditional friends are the ones that you will lose eventually and soon you will find out or not soon for him but throughout time you will find out that man these were the only my friends when I was going to the bar with them or they were only my friends when we would play basketball or things of that nature and eventually they will thin out you will lose them they won't be around forever because eventually you're going to want people around you that you just care about and care about you the same way and you're going to find that out hopefully not in a rough way like I did you know but but you will find it out eventually and it's better it's in your best interest probably to start figuring that out the younger you are you know yeah absolutely we just talked about that in just a minute ago Justin that you know, one year in your late 20s and early 30s is equivalent to 10 years in your 50s in terms of the ability that you have to be able to build networks and to surround yourself with people who are, um, you know, who are, are going to be, you know, genuine friends to you. I mean, I, I heard a, a guy once say that um, you're, you're going to end up being the average of the five closest people in your life. Yeah. And so you want to, you want to ask yourself, I mean, who are those five people? And, um, because I'm going to ultimately, I'm going to reflect, you know, I'm going to reflect them. And, you know, it's an, it's important to build a community around it because yep. it's so tragic for me as I've, you know, been through the, you know, spent a lot of work in the, in the, in the community that when, when tragedy does come into a person's life and they don't have the network built around them, they're kind of alone. And I think, yep. you know, that, you know, 16 years ago now we, our 19 year old daughter, Stacy died in a car accident. Yeah. And, um, you know, the call came in from the sheriff to say, is this Steve Meyer? And I said, yes, it is. And he gave me the news. It's the horrific call. Nobody ever wants to get. And, um, instantly our community just basically carried us and they, in a sense, they still have been. Um, and when, when that type of thing happens to people who are, have maybe a dabbling of people around them. I mean, I don't know how you make I don't know how you make it through that. And it's not just you know the the sudden death of a loved one, but um, it's other things. You know, going through a divorce or um, sickness, and um, we you know we're we're people that are you know we're we're created in God's image, I believe, which means in God exists mysteriously in a, in a Trinity. Yep. Three, Three distinct personalities, but the S and one one essential nature, which don't fully understand that. Um, but it, um, 
if I could fully understand the nature of God, I would suspect that the explanation of him would, you know, would be something that would be odd that for a finite mind to be able to fully understand an infant mind. But, um, but being created in a, existing in a, in a community tells us that we too being created in his image are also designed to be the same way. We're, we're designed to function in a community of people of trusting relationships. Yeah. And this is what, I mean, I think this is a, beautiful thing that you can continue to emphasize, you know, in this, you know, in this, um, um, your podcast, because the messaging that goes out to so many, especially young people, which I work with is, is a message of isolation. Yeah. You know, spend time by yourself, make sure you get enough, you know, you, you get enough people to be, you know, admiring you online and everything, everything that takes you away from intimacy with people. I mean, this year, my team, um, at the high school was the most, um, I felt socially disconnected group that I've ever had in 14 years of coaching this past year. Yes. Really? In terms of just being alive as people, you know, sure. I could just tell that, you know, the, and, and we know this just by some of the data in, you know, in mental health that, mm -hmm. that 2001 or 2011 was the year that on smartphones, that social media apps were first available. And from that point going forward as, um, the, 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 the uh, social social dilemma um, documentary on Netflix points out that from that point forward, the the number of suicides and mental health issues among adolescent girls has just exploded. Yeah, and um, and it's because they've been forced into these pockets of isolation. I mean, it's like I'm measuring you, you're measuring me. Mm -hmm. You know, am I do I do I measure up to the standard that's you know so readily available on on social media? Right. So it hinders their ability to develop good relationships with people. Yeah. There's always, an, you know, there's always a device in front of them. And yeah, I think that that, um, that they've, we've been kind of fooled to think that. So I think it's very important to like have a tribe and know who your tribe is. Yeah. Um, but I also do say it's better to be in no company than bad company. Um, cause if you're in bad company, you can stray from the path, you know, bad things can happen. I don't think that you should be in no company, but I think for periods of time, it's okay to be in no company. Like if you're like hyper focused on a goal or whatever it is. But that being said, I think that we've kind of been duped into thinking that the social media um, you're following is your tribe and those are your friends and the people that like you is your source of validation. And that gives like kids kind of a reason to not go out and have face-to-face -face interaction with people and connect people with on an emotional level, things of that nature. And I think, like you said, the numbers and the stats, they all kind of show that that's not, tr that's not true, at least not entirely true. Right? Like, I think that it is so important, not just in business, but real relationships to get out there and go talk to people face-to-face. -face, Cause you don't know what kind of intentions people have unless you actually get to see them. Yeah. Not to mention there's like a warm feeling that you get from talking to people one-on-one -on -one in a room together instead of just like texting them over the phone, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And again, back to, back to, you know, what we were talking about. Um, I mean, we're designed to interact with human beings and not to be yeah. isolated. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that um, being in bad company um, can, can be the very initially subtly, it can just, it can pull you away from, um, you know, from healthy living. Yeah. And it is better to be, um, to turn your back to say, 
if I have to go at it alone, I will. Um, and that's a preference to um, going at it in the midst of people who I know are going to be a distraction. But the best idea, the, the, the greatest ideal is for us to be pursuing, you know, the, the call that we feel we have on our lives yep. um, in community with other people who can, yeah. who can help us um, along the way. And um, that's where um, that's where living, you know, really can get sweet. And it's, you know, back to what we talked about earlier, where this, you know, this right standing before God comes through Christ's sacrifice. Then we're called to live in a way that says, "I'm I'm thankful." Yeah. Not that I hope I can do a, a, a you know, enough, but I'm thankful for what I've been given. Um, the whole methodology then turns to what what again. Um, Dallas Willard, the philosopher from USC, says the inversion principle, hmm. which we now live with an attitude of um, I'm going to give, and in my giving, I actually receive. Yeah. Which is completely inverted from what is naturally thought to happen. Sure. Um, or in order, you know, I want to seek to be at the top. Well, the way that you get it at the top, Jesus tells us, you serve. Yeah. So you come into the room and you say, what can I do to help? Right. And um, I heard an interview recently where a, a new CEO of a, for, of a very large company, I don't think it was Fortune 500, came into a huge warehouse full of all the employees of the company, hundreds of them in there. And the, the gentleman got up and said, I probably am least qualified of anybody in this room hmm. to be the CEO of this company. And the, the, the messaging, and he meant it. And the messaging throughout the people was, we'll do anything for that guy. <laughs> That's crazy. We will, we will do anything for that guy. Yeah. I mean, and that is that, that he came to basically say, I'm here to learn and to serve you because, you, you know, I need you. And, 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 and I think this is, I mean, the data again bears it all out. And when we give our life away, we're, mm -hmm. we're told in the scriptures that it then becomes, it comes back to us in a measure that was completely unanticipated. And all these things, again, go completely against, and this is what I love the name of your, of your podcast, mm -hmm. the cultural movement. The cultural movement is the opposite of all that. Yeah. I mean, you, the, the way, to, the ticket to happiness is to gain. Yeah. The tipic, the, 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 the best way to live is to, is to be at the top. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, do only what works for you possess your life as right. opposed to give it away and so um i i just i love i love that and i we could sit here and talk i mean i i love social the social sciences and the studies of human behavior i love happiness research yeah i mean happiness happiness research bears out everything that this obscure rabbi from the first century laid yeah. out to say this is the way to live yeah social scientists today are saying well, wait wait a Wait a minute. It is people are happier when they give, yeah. rather than receive. It's like this. It it bears it out in the laboratories of today, which yeah. is, to me, as a guy who likes data and evidence, you know, just gets my heart singing. It's interesting though, too, because like all the like top business gurus on social media and stuff too, they all they all say deliver massive value, and so like mm -hmm. they are essentially telling you. And I don't think that people really like no like they're not getting to the crux of like what they're saying they are literally saying put yourself beneath the customer right or like at least get on their level and understand how you can help them get to the 
next level, help understand how you can solve their problem, whatever their problem is. And, um, I believe that too. And it's interesting that you like connect that to like God as well, because mm-hmm. a, a cup, it was weird. So this is the other like, um, kind of sign I feel like that I was having, I would, I'm not joking you. And I li- I told Heather, I think I'm going crazy because I, I, I keep getting this sign that I, I think I need to give myself up to God. And she's like, why? And it was every single time that I would listen to some podcasts or whatever. I got to restart this camera quick. Last time. Every time that I would listen to these podcasts, I was hearing, um, these creators talk about, um, when they gave themselves up to God, that's when they had massive explosion. And that's when they like their career, like had a huge trajectory. So they were trying to give value to people, but they gave themselves up to God. One guy, literally, he's like, he's, he's known for just kind of being like a, a cocaine addict, I guess. And like just a crazy person. But he said he was at the lowest point in his life and he was trying to make the creator thing happen. And he finally, um, decided to say his first prayer. Like he was a Muslim before mm-hmm. and he decided to say his first prayer to God and he said, Jesus is King. And after that, that's like his like phrase, Jesus is King. That's like his thing. And immediately after that, he goes viral on like social media on Twitch or whatever it was. And his life has only gone up since then. Like he's become a millionaire basically overnight and all this crazy stuff. And he says that his main goal and message is to convert people to Christianity now. And he's like converted 1400 different people to Christianity. He's gotten a bunch of emails, whatever. And he says that he does this all for the one purpose of just God. And then the other guy, um, and it was each podcast that I was listening to by this guy specifically, somehow the topic of God would come up and he like him. And then his guests would each say this thing about like, as soon as they like turn their life over to God, their anxiety went away or their depression went away. And then their like their career just skyrocketed like a rocket ship, you know? So yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting that you say all that because that was my other, like, kind of like, I feel like he was like, wake up, wake up, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think, I think that there's certainly, I mean, there are certainly, um, um, you know, something to that, to a degree. Um, I mean, the, the, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a section in, in the book of Acts that Luke writes, the historian and physician. He said that David, um, uh, one, after David had fulfilled King David, of, of the, the big king of, 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 of Israel, after he fulfilled the purposes of God, he died. Mm. I mean, what better could be written on one's tombstone if God does exist? Mm-hmm. And we, we assume that he has a purpose for you and a purpose for me. Um, fulfilling that, I would think, would be the most significant thing. Now, for some people, it does result in what, what you have just described. I mean, once, yeah. once we say yes to God, the scriptures I mean, mysteriously say that he then begins to actually live within each person to begin to transform us into the best version of ourselves mm-hmm. that we are intended to be which can sometimes result in achievement at levels that we never dreamed of. Right. But the first followers of Jesus decided to 
you know, to follow him. And their, their, their circumstances in their lives could not be described at all in any way of being, quote, successful. Sure. I mean, they suffered hardship, difficulty. And so there is no guarantee that, yeah. that once we say yes, all of a sudden we go viral or the money's going to be in the account. There's this, one, of my script, one of my favorite scriptures and one of the minor prophets says, oh, though the, the, the fig tree has no fruit on it and there's no cattle in the, you know, in the, you know, in the field and um, the harvest isn't there. In other words, though things aren't happening successfully in my life, still I know the truth about my relationship with God. And I think this has to be the unconditional offering of our lives to say, yeah. I don't know what you're going to do with it. But I know, given the tremendous sacrifice you've made um, for me, I owe my my life to you. And yeah. um, take me wherever you desire to take me. And this is then the pathway of the you know the, of the greatest um, living life at the highest level. Jesus says, "I came that they may have life and have it to the full." Yeah. And I and I will tell you as a as a guy now in in his sixties that. Um, you know, I'm, I feel more youthful and more vibrant than even though, you know, the, the, the legs and the knees aren't quite as quick as they used to be <laughs> yeah. than ever. And yeah. um, that's because the, you know, this youthfulness that continues to come. Paul says that although, although the outer body is decaying, the inner man is being renewed. I mean, it's like you get more athletic you know, in the soul that we talked about earlier. It becomes, sure. it becomes younger with time as opposed to older. Yeah. Which is like bizarre. Right. Yeah. And so <clears throat> with all what you just said too, I just want to make super clear that, you know, we talked about like maybe going to church or like doing a prayer or whatever. And I told Heather, I was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. For the simple fact that like, I don't want my relationship to be predicated on the fact of whether or not I think I'm going to be successful. Yeah. You know, and like that feels fake to me yeah. to be like, you know, even to like God, the same way I wouldn't do it to like one of my friends, like do something because I think I'm going to get something out of them or yes. whatever. You know, I didn't want to go to church or like say a I have prayed since then, but I don't do it often, you know, yeah. and like, but because I was having those signs, I didn't want to do it just for the simple fact of maybe I'm going to go viral or maybe I'm going to have some sort of success if I do this. I'm like, no, that's the reason for me to not do it now because I don't want to feel fake in yeah. what I'm doing. That's why I like you. <laughs> yeah so. one, one, one of the one of the many reasons and um so yeah that's that's good but once we you know once we once we paul says once you we die to ourself yep in other words we die to our agenda which you just described mm. you know and, and it's an authentic death yeah you know, we go to our own funeral to say you know i i'm i'm my agenda now is to follow this one who is legitimately called me to do so. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, who knows? The, right. the roof could be blown off the place. Yeah. In terms of, because I mean, God will only only bring into our lives, as a loving Father would, um, that which is best for us. Right. And for you, it could be, you know, just, you know, you know, a mega presence that um, right. is needed in the world today. But we we can we we can trust. Um, the guidance coming from one who is far superior to us in, in any measure. Yeah, and it doesn't matter to me what it is or what it's not. I'm going to continue doing the things that I enjoy regardless of, yeah. you know, what happens because of, you know, 
God making it big or not. Right. I enjoy doing the things, so yeah. I'm going to keep, keep doing the things. And if that's not what the calling is, well, I'm still going to do the things, you know, and then maybe I'll find the, the path later on. That's good. I do want to, uh, quick visit. If you're okay with sharing, um, the loss of your daughter, mm-hmm. um, did that have, how did that have an effect on your faith or your just life in general? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, at first, the first 24 hours, I felt like somebody had handed me a script. I did a little drama in, in high school and stuff, you know, yeah. I had to memorize scripts and I felt they handed me a script. So you're going to play the role here of a guy who's lost his daughter. Mm. And, um, so I felt like I was living somebody else's life. And, um, then after about 24 hours, I realized that, you know, I can't set the script down on the table and walk back into my normal life that this, this was something that's actually happened. Yeah. The, the mist started, you know, falling out and I began to see that this has actually been, um, this is actually a, a reality. And I remember laying in my bed the second night staring at the ceiling and, um, and I had this really odd experience. I had this whiteboard that was completely filled with everything I learned in graduate school about all the evidences for the, the, the faith that I had, why Jesus, you know, almost assuredly rose from the dead, mm-hmm. the, why we can trust the Bible, the evidences for God's existence, the uniqueness of Christianity, all this stuff. And I saw this big, massive hand go from one end of the whiteboard to the other and wipe the whole thing clean. Jeez. And it's like, I am willing right now to start over. And the only thing I care about, I don't want anybody sending me flowers or giving me cards or anything, but I'm mainly interested right now in what has actually happened to my daughter's body. I know it's been destroyed right. in this accident. What is, what, what's happened to her, her, her body and her personality? I mean, the most unbelievably, beautifully unique personality that you can ever imagine was my, was, was and is, I believe, Stacy. Yeah. And so I started going through, what are my options? I mean, atheism, you know, I, I click through, click through that, you know, Hinduism, reincarnation, all this stuff. And, and all of it, um, you know, maybe there was a little, little bit of a sense of, you know, wonderment about it, but none of it both meant the, the rigorous demands of, of, of my intellect. In other words, how can I know this is true? And also the desire of my heart in terms of just, you know, wanting it to be true. Um, and then I see this hand extended to me, you know, with a crucifix mark in the palm of it. And, um, the God that I've had been serving is also a God of suffering. And, um, so the, the thing that, that brought me through it was this, um, was the sufferings of God. And, um, there was a, there's a quote, um, that has been my mainstay over the last years and it's by a british author uh, dorothy sayers and she says this god chose to make man as he is limited and suffering and subject to death he god had the honesty and courage to take his own medicine whatever game he is playing with his creation he has kept his own rules and played fair he can exact nothing from man that he is not exacted from himself he, he has himself gone through the whole of human experience from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain, humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. When he was a man, he played the man. He was born in poverty and died in disgrace and thought it was all worthwhile. 
and it, it helped me to really I mean, if, if god was distant and indifferent for my suffering i would have raised my middle finger to the heavens and said i'm moving on to something else but when i realized that he identified with and participated in and could empathize with the gut punch that i that our whole family had received it was easier for me to continue to move on so thank you for that question i mean that's that's an intense one and um, there's much more to say about it but um the sufferings of god um to, to think that i mean people just picture god as sitting up in a cloud somewhere ready to judge people and they don't see they don't see him who he really is as one who is suffered and offered himself for the very people that he's created yeah i appreciate you sharing that um there's a there's a quote from this rapper musician guy machine gun kelly and this was a gut punch for me um this week in his song he says i believe god had to put me through hell so i could learn me a lesson Mm -hmm. and so i genuinely think and i guess you can tell me a little bit more about what you think about this but based on your experience with that, I I thought about you because we were going to do the podcast. And for me, it was like, yeah, I have gone through so much in my life. And I think that it was to learn lessons for everything that I had gone through. Um, And then eventually, you know, as I get older, learn more lessons. And I have to, I feel like I have to go through less turmoil. I have to go through some big stuff, but less. Do you think that there was an ultimate lesson for you at the end of that? I don't know. You know, I think, I mean, people, sometimes people will say, look at all the good that has come. Sure. And I could sit here and I could, I could, you and I could talk for the next, you know, four or five hours about really good things that have been linked um, to, to, you know, what is, what, what, to the accident. Sure. You know, relationships that have come, um, situations that have happened. I mean, it's, it's, pretty amazing but my wife and I would Sue and I would sit here and say we would trade all that to be able to you know be able to get up and leave from from your from your um, studio today and go out and have coffee with my daughter I can imagine yeah and so um, I think you know one of one of my um, one of my mentors um, soon after um, Stacy's passing passing looked at at me and 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 she said um my heart breaks for you and then she gestured up and she said his his heart breaks as well so i think in the mystery of it all you know again whatever game is happening out there Mm. um god did not usher this into our lives to say i want to teach steve steve and sue something sure we live in a horribly fallen world where evil is running wild i mean this man had a um, a medical emergency and couldn't control his car at a high speed (laughs) and the brain wasn't functioning the way it was designed to Um, we look throughout the world today and we see more people entrapped in slavery now than any other time in human history we see you know the the scriptures say that the the earth the creation is groaning and we see that in global warming and and we the hardships that are coming as a result of it there's 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 a measure of evil that is unleashed and destroying people's lives that um, will one day be completely eradicated um so um the sometimes sometimes our behavior 
there is a there is a consequence that quickly comes to it where a lesson is intended. Yeah. You, go out, you go out and drive, and you're too tipsy, or you're you're too drunk, and you have a near miss, and you have an you know you have an an oh my goodness no moment. That was designed for you to say, hey, listen, you've been spared. Yeah. You learn from that. But there are other things where, you know, innocent things happen to people that there there's no their 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 behavior is not at all connected to a difficult thing that happens. Sure. And that's where the mystery is. So with that all being said, and this is gonna be the last question that I ask you for today. I appreciate your time so much, Steve. It's been great. Um like and subscribe. What do you think the answer to all the evil in the world is and the turmoil? I know we can probably all guess what your answer is at, at this point, but I want to hear a, the answer from you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, many, many solutions have been proposed, you know, better education and better policies and all that stuff is really helpful. And, I, and again, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a fan of, a huge fan of religion, but I'm a huge fan of, um, of this very unique and powerful person, Jesus, who existed. And I believe by faith, he lives his life through me. Um, where he, he lists a bunch of horrible stuff that was going on. He just The list is just like X-rated. And then he says, from the heart of man, from humanity, these things come. So his perspective is that the heart has to be transformed um, in order for um, societies and cultures to be transformed. So you get a collective of people that are um, transforming hearts, turning people from haters into lovers. And uh, we've been seeing that up in the prisons in the state of Wisconsin, where we've been invited to come in and do biblical teaching within um, in the darkest places of society. Because across the, the nation, we're seeing that um, uh, men and women who have um, have been discard you know has been have been done have done horrible things but have had horrible things done to them as well understand the love of god and the sacrifice of god for the first time in their life they're like holy smokes i do have value and they are beginning to make phone calls into the dark crime centers of our cities talking to young men and women who are about to commit violent crimes and they're saying you know for, i've experienced forgiveness authentically and I'm asking you to um, set down your weapon because you don't want to be where I am, you know, serving a lifetime, a life sentence up in, up in the maximum security prison, up in Waupun. And so, you know, one person at a time, if, 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 if those who are, are following Jesus would spread this message of peace and reconciliation and um, forgiveness to others, um, it was, this, it, was, it, was, it was God's intended approach. He didn't go out. He could have easily gone out, Jesus could have, to the, to the major cultural centers and got up on a podium and spoken to thousands of people. Instead, he chose to spend time with just a few, 12 and even three more intimately. And if we were to, to do the same thing and continue to, and it's being done all over the world, um, that is a ticket, I think, to, to um, writing so many of the problems that are out there. But it's a long, it's a, it's a long process, but it's yeah. done slowly one step at a time. Sure. Steve, I appreciate your time so much. Every time we get to talk, it's like a great pleasure. So again, thank you for being on the show. Thanks well, for talking with me. Well, thanks for having me, Justin. I appreciate it. Absolutely. 
See you guys later. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. We'll talk to you in the next one. Hey. I appreciate that, Steve. Thank you. That was great. Those are great questions. My goodness. It was a really, really good episode. I knew it was going to be. I knew it would be. But you, man, I, you're